0: Just to give a quick recap to everybody, Uh, the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 1, we started two weeks ago, Paul started Galatians with a beat down on the Galatians from the standpoint that he was uh, yelling at them of how they are so quickly deserting the gospel of Jesus Christ, And, and by adding more steps to it, so what happened was Paul went to Galatia, Preach the gospel of Christ, and when he left, some people came in and tried to tell the Galatians, "Well, that's great, you know, you you receive salvation through Jesus, but you still need to be circumcised to really be saved, because there's a lot, there's one more step to it, or there's more steps to it than receiving salvation." So, so Paul wrote this letter, and as I said in the beginning, he just he he was yelling at them. Normally, in most of his letters, he would say, "I'm praying for you." praising God for you, I'm thanking God for who you are, but not so in this case. So, if anything we can get from that is do not mess with the gospel. Paul was very strong about that. And the gospel was perfect. It is finished. We don't need to add anything to it. There's no more steps that you need to be added to it. There's no more things that you need to do in order to be saved. So, the first ten verses in Galatians 1 was very strong in this. And he even said, even if I, or any angel, or any human being anything other than the gospel of Jesus. Let them be under a curse. And it was, Paul said it twice. So as a reminder, it's serious business. Do not mess with the gospel. Don't think that we have such a better revelation that we can add one more thing to it. Or we have the inside track to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, So uh, it's important for us because I also, we also talked about what is the gospel, right, of Jesus Christ. And it's important for us to know that because as messengers of the gospel of Jesus. We want to be able to deliver the good news and not add anything to it, not take anything from it, because the gospel in itself, there's power in that. So when we mess with it, and when we add or subtract from it, we take away the power that God has in terms of sharing the good news. So when we share the good news, when the opportunity arises, remember what it is, and just share the gospel in the way that it was supposed to be shared. And what it is that... What is that? I feel all out of short this morning. I feel like I haven't preached for a long time. It's only been two weeks. Uh, So the good news is, what is the good news? The gospel is the good news. And the good news is God, creator of all things, came to earth as a man and died for us. So we can be saved. That's it. We've been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. Uh, That was in Colossians chapter 1. We went through Colossians last year. That is good news. And um, that's it, that's all we need to know and that's all we need to share with people. Uh, later in Galatians chapter one in verses 13 and 16, a crucial in Paul's calling because he was trying to tell them, this is my authority, I get it from God. This is my calling, I get it from God. And uh, in the second half of Galatians, he acknowledged God has called him from birth, allow him to live a life of extreme zealous for the law. So he was explained, so in a way, For us to really know what Paul was saying, we need to know his background. So Paul was what we would call like an extremist, right? He was going around persecuting people. And if anyone gets in his way, he pretty much would get rid of them. That's pretty much what he was doing. He was persecuting people because he was, in his mind, he was thinking, I am following the Mosaic law to the letter. And if you are not doing it, get out of my way. And i'm I'm going to straighten you out. He was merciless in doing so, and we know that. so essentially, Paul has always been extremely zealous for God's law and God's way, but in a wrong path, so to speak. So then when Jesus revealed himself to Paul, that probably blew his mind right in my in in well, as I'm reading through this, it probably blew Paul's mind because he's saying wait, I've been serving you faithfully, but then you're telling me that I've been wrong this whole time. I've been actually persecuting your people. But God, I've been doing this for you. Because he was um, actively and intensively persecuting God and God's people. And, and, and what happened is when Jesus revealed himself to Paul, the first thing that Paul said was, what shall I do, Lord? We know that from Acts 22, verse 10. What shall I do, Lord? And as I was studying this, realize that's pretty amazing his response gave me and hopefully us a glimpse into the freedom that paul immediately had in jesus sacrifice on the cross as i try to put myself in paul's place if i was doing the things that paul did persecuting god's people and jesus revealed himself i probably would have beaten myself up right it's like what oh goodness i've been killing your people I've been going at this all, long, all wrong. Uh, all the terrible things that he did, and he was doing it very passionately. But he didn't beat himself up once he found out who Jesus was. He didn't beg Jesus for forgiveness. He didn't go curl up in a ball and cry himself to sleep. I probably would have. Very depressed. But see, he had this incredible freedom and understanding of who Jesus is. So he said, What shall I do, Lord? And I just felt, you know, I just want to take a side step for us in terms of the question that Paul asked. It's something that we should ask ourselves on a daily basis. What shall I do today? What shall I do this month? What shall I do this year, Lord? What shall I do for the rest of my life, Lord? Because during that incredible moment of revelations, right, that was the first thing that came out of his mouth. What shall I do, Lord? And uh, as I was studying this, I felt to uh, encourage us to look at Psalm 116 because I feel this give us an answer to what shall I do, Lord? I know for Paul, it's different because he's very unique, but for all of us, Psalm 116, verse 12 to 19, I think I have it uh, up there if you don't mind putting that up. Psalm 116, verse 12 to 19, what shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? same as what shall I do, Lord? I will lift up the cup of salvation I will lift up the thankfulness that I am saved. I have salvation through you, Lord Jesus. And call on the name of the Lord. Praise him. Pray to him. Pray for him to break through. I think I have Psalm 116, right? That's it, right? Okay. That's the second page. And then, I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. So when we declare and proclaim that Jesus is our Lord, our King, and our Savior, The way for us to fulfill that vow is to live it out. Live out our lives as he is our Lord, our King, and our Savior. Make decisions based on the things that he's telling us the things that he's teaching us. Be precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servant. Be faithful. Faithful to the things that he has taught us. Faithful to the things that he has revealed to us. And serve him. Truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains. Freedom. Through the salvation, I have received freedom. I will sacrifice a thank offering. Sacrifice a thank offering. As in, you know, back in those days, they sacrifice a goat or a lamb or what have you. But that's property. That's possession. It's the same thing with us. I will sacrifice a thank offering. As in tithes and offering. The things that are important to us. But we will sacrifice that because we believe in you. We trust in you. And call on the name of the Lord. So as we're doing it, we're worshiping you. So that's what we talked about when we tithe. That's how we worship God. That's how we praise him. That's how we acknowledge him and lift him up. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord. Again, I repeat. Again, it's to live what we say we believe in. To live out what we proclaim that we believe in. So I just thought I'd just take a sidestep just to talk about what shall I do, Lord? When Paul said that, and when we say what shall I do, when we ask that question, Those are some of the things for us to keep in mind and hopefully be reminded throughout the days and the weeks to come. So let's jump back on Galatians. So it's important to note that after Jesus revealed himself to Paul, Paul was still the same person as he was before. Paul was someone very unique, very unique, and someone that God has set him apart. Paul was someone, I would imagine, that he knew exactly what he wanted to do since he was a kid. Do you guys ever know some of those people? I'm not one of those people. There's very few people that knew as soon as they were five, they're going to be a doctor, right? As soon as they were seven, they knew that they're going to be a fireman or a neurosurgeon or an astronaut or what have you. And that's what they did. They studied, they went to school, they did all those things. I actually changed my major 10 times in college. So, so Paul was very unique from that standpoint. He knew who he was and he pursued it and he lived it out passionately. I know that's not the case for most of us, but however, I want to say that As I was saying earlier, he was pursuing this path, and he knew what he wanted to do. It's just that he was going about it the wrong way. So through the revelation of Jesus, his extreme zealous for God, his passion for God remains the same. He was doing the same thing, but now God has set him supernaturally. Through the supernatural revelation, has set him on the right path, and he's pursuing that with everything that he has just as he did before. So when we know the context of Paul's background, his revelation, his immediate response, we can understand Galatians 1 verse 15 and 16 when, when Paul said, when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, right? So he knew God had created Paul like this. Paul was living out how God had created for him to be. It just down the wrong path. And was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I may preach him among the Gentiles. So through that revelation, Paul continued to do what he passionately was doing before. But now, preaching the gospel of Christ instead of the Mosaic law and forcing people to follow that. I know that was a little long introduction to take us through Galatians uh, chapter 1. So so Paul essentially in chapter 1 was trying to say, the authority that I receive is from Jesus from God. The calling that I receive is from God. I am an extremist. It's because God has made me this way. I'm passionate for God because he made me this way. So if anyone questioned Paul's authority, they will need to answer to God. And if anyone messes with the gospel of Christ, that's what he was delivering, they will be under God's curse. Bam. Was that bam? Bam! So keep that in mind. So this takes us to Galatians chapter 2. We'll try to go through the first 10 verses this morning, and uh, I know it's a little bit confusing. I was trying to, weaving in and out of Galatians 1 and trying to take us to Psalm 116, but I just felt it was good for us to be reminded when Paul asked, what shall I do, Lord? It's something that we should ask ourselves often. What shall I do, Lord? So Galatians chapter 2, I'm going to try to do the first half, and next week, Vanessa is going to take care of the rest of Galatians 2, next week, and then it will be much better, I promise you. No pressure on you, honey. Uh, all right, so Galatians chapter 2, verse 1. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted, I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Again, this is about... Uh, Paul going with Titus. It's about team. Paul was always traveling with someone. It's for safety. It's for uh, encouragement. It's for um, people praying for each other. And also for accountability because we all have blind spots. So sometimes Paul needed to be reminded of something. And sometimes Titus needed to be reminded of, hey, that's probably not how you should do things. So it's something to keep in mind. And Paul is reminding all of us all the time that he constantly traveled in team. And this is his second trip to Jerusalem. And and most importantly from this, he said, I went in response to a revelation. So God directed him to go. He didn't go because the disciples summoned him. He didn't go there asking for permission or or asking for things, but he went in response to the revelation from God. In verse 3, it said, yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised even though he was a Greek. Verse 3 also allude to the freedom in Christ that Titus had on his own team, on his own team. So they were going to meet with the disciples of Jesus who were all Jews. So they were all circumcised, but not even Titus was compelled to be circumcised because as we go back to Galatians chapter 1, the reason that Paul wrote this letter was people were saying to the Galatians they need to be circumcised. There are other things that they need to do. So Paul is reinforcing that. Hey, I'm going to meet with the esteemed leaders, and there was really no need for one of us to be circumcised. It's important to, to point out that it's circumcision is, I'm glad there are no kids here, because circumcision is, is, is just an outward appearance, just, just an outward surface thing, right? The freedom in Christ that we have is through our faith, It's in our heart. It begins with what's in our heart and it flows outwardly. For example, you don't shave because you are a follower of Jesus, right? You shave because you want to. So don't ever say, I'm shaving because I follow Jesus. I cut my hair a certain way because I believe in Jesus. No, because we want to look a certain way. But when we believe in Jesus and allow those things to flow outwardly, so go ahead and shave. But don't tell people, well, In order to believe in Jesus, you got to cut your hair a certain way, you need to dress a certain way, or you need to grow your hair out longer. It's all about our heart and what flows from our heart outwardly. So that's what Paul was stressing. Not even Titus was compelled, felt compelled to be circumcised. It goes on to say, um, verse 4 and 5, This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel may be preserved for you. So if you can remember two verses this morning, remember those two verses. Galatians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Don't give in to the freedom thieves, if I can use that term. The freedom thieves. Don't give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel can be preserved for you. Beware of the people who are always trying to infiltrate our ranks, right? To twist the freedom that we have in order to manipulate and control others. There are always people doing that. So when Paul said, our ranks, he didn't just say, well, of the people in Jerusalem, our ranks, even the people within his team, people that he has met, there are always gonna be people that are trying to come in and snatch the freedom that we already have from Jesus, or trick us in terms of thinking that we don't have the freedom from Jesus, and make us slaves. This includes Paul. This includes Paul. Instead of making you slaves or making them slaves, make us slaves. He knows this. This could be him also. So he has to fight it. Not for a moment. Don't give in for a moment about those who are trying to trick us and taking our freedom away from us. If it could happen to Paul, which he had to fight it, if it could happen to Paul, it could happen to me, it could happen to you, it ha- could happen to any one of us. So we need to be aware that Paul is always aware and he would not give in for one moment, one second. So we have to do the same. Be reminded that we have been rescued we've been set free by Jesus. Because we were slaves before, right? We were slaves, we were imprisoned before, but through Jesus, we have been set free. So that when we were slaves before, we were slaves to our culture, we were slaves to our environment, we were slaves to the prison of the, uh, slaves to the uh, evil present age in this realm. But now we have freedom through Jesus. However, we still have a battle. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 said, I think we all know this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. That's a lot of people that we have to fight off. Rulers and authorities and powers. What, what are they? Right? That means like being under control of the culture that we live in the peer pressure of how we look, of, of the friends that we need to keep, how we dress, how we behave, just like as I mentioned earlier, whether we have to shave, grow our hair a certain way, you know, wear skinny jeans, or not wear skinny jeans. I'm, I'm not making fun of anybody. I have tight jeans on too. So, um, so, so you know, and the culturally, and those things are always changing. It's okay to look a certain way, but we need to keep in mind, don't be controlled by those forces so to speak, so who are the ones in control, right, the fashion designers, the powers and the rulers and the authorities, like, oh, you need to have a hairstyle a certain way, you guys ever watch those movies nowadays where they show you of things that happened back in the 1700s, how somehow they still have goatee and they still have hair that's very popular nowadays, there's a reason for that, right? There's people controlling that, what we wear, what we fit I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm just saying that there's always people trying to influence us in terms of how we think and what we must do. The academic elites, people telling you, this is what we need to learn. So if you're smart, this is what you do. This is how you think. The, The wealthy, they control what's going on. The politicians, they set rules and regulations, put laws in place. Everyone and everything that is not grounded in Christ. Those are the ones that we gotta be aware of. I, I don't want to sound very controversial. I don't want to say there's a conspiracy theory out there, but we need to realize everyone and everything that is not grounded in Christ will try to control us, will try to manipulate us, and will try to get us to think like they do so we can follow along. Those people are trying to make us slaves. That's what Paul meant. So if you want to look at the big picture, It happened back then, it's still happening now, and will still happen in the future. Trick us into thinking that we're no longer free, that we were not really rescued by Jesus. You're still kind of living your own boring life. You didn't really have anything. So the rulers and authorities and the powers of this dark world are trying to make all of us slaves. So I can guarantee this struggle, the same one that Paul had, he was one in the Galatians, right? In this case, it's still going on and will still be going on in the future. And some of the—I uh, I, want to list some of the examples in terms of the mentality that has been keeping us, myself included. I know some of this. I've been through some of this, keeping us or others from being free. And I want to list them just to uh, help us remind ourselves to remain free and help others to remain free. It's like thinking that we're righteous. Thinking that we're better. Thinking that we know better. Oh, because I'm saved now, so I'm so much better than everyone else. No. We need to remember, we didn't do anything, right? We didn't earn anything. God did it all. So we're safe. It's not because we know better. The next thing is, we, we know why others are suffering or oh, they're struggling. Well, they're struggling because they were too lazy. They're struggling because they, you know, not working hard enough. No. Are they struggling because they have this problem or that problem? No. Some of those things we unintentionally put ourselves in a place where we think we know better. Or even for us, relating everything that has happened to us through the filters of our past struggles. What we used to have before Christ is not the same as what we have now through Christ. So think differently. Deal with situation differently because through Christ we have Freedom, we have a greater revelation of who he is and what we are to do, and we no longer belong in the domain of darkness. Remember, we are now being rescued into the kingdom of light. Or, I used to do this, I only wanted to hang out with a certain group of people. You know, when I was in college, I just wanted to hang out with jocks. You know, I just wanted to hang out with the ones who are popular. I wanted to hang out with the ones who are the cool kids, right? We have kids in school now. And they always like, yeah, those are the cool kids. It's like, well, who are they? Who made them cool? Like, did they call themselves cool? Or just trying to associate ourselves with the cool kids or the popular kids or the wealthy people or the attractive people. Another thing is to let others define our standard of success in terms of comparing. Comparing is the greatest enemy, if I can say. When we start comparing with other people about who we are, what we have, well, I have more of Jesus in me than you do. Is that even possible? No. It's because if we go back to Paul, he was very unique. God has, uh, Gavin last week talked about Psalm 139. God has uniquely made each of us different. So don't compare. We are very different in our uniqueness. Trust that God has made us that way and recognize what God has calling, called us to do so we can pursue those things with passion like Paul did. So, as a reminder, fight for our freedom that we have in Christ. They, the rulers and the authorities, can never imprison us again. Ever. Ever. Once we're rescued by Jesus. But they can surely trick us into thinking that we're still in prison. Trick us into thinking that, well, Jesus is not really real. Right? Just what we sang about. The king is alive, death is defeated. But as we leave here, People will try to tell you, oh, death is not really defeated. Jesus is just a man that lived 2,000 years ago. So we need to realize that and recognize it and remind ourselves and encourage each other. That's why the local church is so important. So we can remind each other, no, Jesus is real and he's alive. He's a one true living God. I want to use a phrase that uh, Vanessa shared last week at the woman's breakfast about finding our identity in Jesus. And I want to use a line from what she shared. For those who were not there. So if you were a guy, most likely you were not there last week. Uh, So she shared, Vanessa shared about the identity in Jesus. So to live free in Jesus and to find our identity, find our worth in Jesus, is to live for the audience of one. To live for the audience of one. To live for the audience of Jesus. That's it. Don't live for the audience of our friends. Don't live for the audience of our um, co-workers. Don't live for the audience of uh, whoever. Look, Live for the audience of one, that is Jesus. Live to please Jesus, not to please other people. Let Jesus be the ruler and the authority and the power of the world that we live in, not other people. That's how we can truly live with the freedom we have in Jesus. So if I can simplify everything, That's how we can live in the freedom that we have in Jesus. Live for the audience of one. So um, don't give in. Don't give in to those who distort the gospel for even one second. To say whether the gospel is not really real, it's not really true, or there's more things that you need to do, there's more rituals that you have to follow uh, on a weekly basis. Don't believe in that. Don't give in to that. And Paul was saying that message, but I feel like that message is for us also. It's for us. And for all those around us. And the generation to come. We have to fight for them. Paul was fighting for us. Now we want to fight for others and the people to come. For the next generation. To remind everyone again. The gospel of Christ is what? There's no more steps that you need to add to it. It's finished. It's perfect. It's complete. Complete it. Right? Complete? Complete it. So remember verse 4 and 5. So Paul went on to... um, so Paul went off on the Galatians in chapter 1, and he's still going off on them. As you can see, he was still very strong. Do not give in. There are those who are trying to steal our freedom. Do not give in to that. He didn't waste any time at the start of the letter, and he's not letting up. So therefore, it's no surprise that we're, we're encouraged to not give in to the freedom thieves for even one moment. In verse 6, Paul said, he, As those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. So Paul, he was relentless in his message regarding his authority and his calling. So he acknowledged the disciples of Jesus as, as those held in high esteem. However, he pointed out that God does not show favoritism in terms of who knows the good news. The disciples don't know the good news better than Paul. And in a way, if I can say, they don't know the good news more than you and I know the good news. Because once we are saved and we know what the good news is, that's it. And they added nothing to my message. So essentially, Paul went in response to a, a what? Response to a revelation. So think of it from the standpoint, I'm going to compare notes. This is what Jesus has revealed to me. What does Jesus revealed to you? Let's talk about it. Let's compare notes versus I'm coming so you can teach me. Or I'm coming so I can teach you. It's more from the standpoint, let's compare our notes and see how we can better share the gospel of Jesus Christ to all people. Uh, And then we went on to say, uh, on the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. Paul was entrusted with the gospel from Jesus himself. He didn't come, as I say, he didn't come to sit at the feet of the disciples to learn more about the gospel or to learn from them. Uh, uh, he didn't have like a different teaching. It's the same. It wasn't a different denomination. It wasn't a different teaching. God calls different people to share the gospel to different places, to different regions, in different styles, in different spheres of influence. But it's the same gospel. Some people are called to share the gospel in an academic setting. Some are called to go share the gospel in prisons. Some are called to share the gospel to like wealthy business people. Some are called to share the gospel to the homeless. But the gospel of Christ is the same everywhere. And that's what Paul is trying to get at. In, in uh, verse 9, Paul went on to say, James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me they agree that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So Paul, again, is reaffirming his authority, reaffirming his calling to say that they, those people that everyone think and everyone held in high esteem, recognize that what I have to share is from Jesus. They've given me the right hand of fellowship. The gospel of Christ is the same no matter where it's coming from of who is delivering the message, right? So that's what Paul is trying to say. And, now, and in verse 10, it said, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I have been eager to do all along. And it's a reminder, Paul is reminding all of us. God's heart has always been for the poor and the downtrodden. Like Paul, he went on to organize, we know this, went to organize many ongoing collections from the wealthy Gentile Gentile judges in Macedonia and Achaia, and then send those funds to the poverty-stricken churches in uh, Judea. So he's trying to create a fellowship between the Gentiles and the Jews. So what we should come through is, we should be generous in terms of what we have to those who don't have, because we are the same family. It doesn't really matter what color uh, of skin that we have or where we live, it's the same everywhere. So be generous to each other. Share the things that God has given us. And uh, I, want, I, want to, uh, I want to end by saying and reminding all of us that the truth of the gospel is one and unchanging. It's always the same. So if you go to Africa, or if you go to Europe, or if you go to Asia, the truth of the gospel is the same everywhere. Right? So I hope it should be the same everywhere. I've only been to Europe and Africa, and I know it's the same, So I'm assuming it's the same in Asia, in South America also. And if we walk in any churches of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Christ should always be the same. I know it's not always the case, but it should always be the same, whether it's a Catholic church, a Lutheran church, or a non-denomination church, or an Orthodox church. It should all be the same. Hopefully I'm not offending some people, but it should all be the same. The gospel of Christ is the same everywhere. In all regions on earth. Salvation is through faith in Jesus. And nothing more. Nothing more at all. So the truth of the gospel is the same and it's unchanging. And the second thing is the truth of the gospel must be maintained from this passage. It must be maintained. Do not give in to those freedom thieves just for one moment. Not even one second. At all. At all. At all cost. Do not give in to them. Partly because Paul did not give in to them, not even for one moment. So then we can enjoy and experience the gospel of Christ. And we can hear that message. So we are to, uh, Paul's imploring us, the book of Galatians is imploring us to do the same. Do not give in. Do not give in, not even for one moment, for those who are trying to distort the gospel of Christ. Those who are trying to take away the freedom that we have in Christ. Or try to cheapen. The freedom that we have gained through Jesus, not even for a moment. And lastly, if I wanted to give and and help give one takeaway from this morning is ask yourself this question. Am I living in the freedom that Christ had purchased for me? Actually, that came up to me as I was looking through this passage. Paul was defending the freedom that he had in Christ so powerfully, passionately, and strongly. For me, for us, am I living in the freedom of Christ that Christ has purchased for me also? Be honest with ourselves. I had to be honest with myself, and I want to encourage you guys. Be honest with ourselves. Ask God to reveal the answer to that question to you, to me. Because, you know, some of the things I listed earlier about being influenced or comparing with other people, are we letting our past dictate us? Are we living in the new freedom that we have in Jesus Christ? Are we comparing constantly comparing with other people about what we have and what we don't have? Or are we allowing our thinking and still think like we were before we have Jesus, still allow our past to dictate how we perceive, how we took action, and how we make decisions? Are we living in the freedom that we have in Jesus, that Christ had purchased for us? So after you ask God, you will hear the answer, trust me. You may or may not like the answer, but you will hear the answer. And ask, after that, ask for confirmation. Ask those around you that you trust, that you're close to, and actually if those that actually have walked with you daily instead of talking to someone that you haven't talked to for six months because they don't really know the things that you're walking through. They don't really know that what the things that you have done and, and the, the progress that you have made or the... You know the the steps that you have fallen behind. Ask them. Because God put people in our lives for that, to help us see blind spots. That's what they call blind spots, right? Things that we're not able to see. I have blind spots. We all have blind spots. So make sure that we'll have somebody. That's why there's a local church around, so we can be close. We can build relationships, so we can talk to each other, and we can share with each other in love. In love. So remind ourselves of the freedom we have The freedom we have through Christ, through Jesus' death on the cross. And encourage each other. Encourage each other in love to live out the freedom that we have. And that's the main crux of this this passage is live free. Enjoy the freedom that we have in Christ. And do not give in for one second. Do not allow people to come and distort the truth and the freedom that we have. Just what Sue has uh, shared earlier, that we sons and daughters of the Almighty God. Sometimes when we look in the mirror, we might, may not look like it, right? When you get up in the morning, the first thing you see, you may not, look, may not look very glorious, but we are. We are in the eye of God. We are glorious, each and every one of us. I think I am. Vanessa think I am. So that's all i have for us this morning it's just an encouragement for us to remember the gospel is the same and it's unchanging and fight for the freedom that we have in christ do not allow people to come in and distort their freedom and take their freedom from us and trick us fight for us fight for others and fight for the generation to come amen